0: Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. There is a really common lie that's whispered in the ears of men in sexual sin. You can get free between you and God. No one needs to know. Today, we're going to talk with Pastor Ed Buch about confession and why it's absolutely essential for freedom from sin.
1: Sin thrives in the dark, so to speak, you know? So if it's not brought to the light, it's just gonna continue. And in fact, it's not just gonna continue, it's going to grow.
0: So, yeah, there's just no way around it. We can't live in the dark and then hope to walk in the freedom that comes from the light. But when we make true confession, this opens the door for a totally new
1: experience. There is a lot of humility that has to go into making these confessions, but that invites the presence of God into our lives, and it's the right condition for the power of God to go to work in my inside world and actually transform me so I'm not given over to the sin anymore.
0: All right, that's what's coming up. Here we go. Okay, so Pastor Ed, thanks for joining
1: us. It's great to be here, Nate. Thanks.
0: All right, so what I want to do today is I want to give a little bit of a background for what's going to happen in this show and also in our next show because personally, I've found that confession is just such a blessing. I've found that I can't have a healthy spiritual life without it, without a regular practice of confessing either outward sins or inward attitudes of the heart that the Lord is exposing in my life. and So what I want to do is, in this show, I want to talk about why confession is a necessary part of a healthy Christian life. We'll dig into some scriptures and Uh, maybe even share some testimonies. And then in next week's show, we'll try to work this out practically in the context of a marriage. So a husband who needs to confess sins to his wife, how he can do that in a way that is um, healing for him, and also that just protects her from what is going to be a very hard experience. So yeah, so let's just get into this show. First of all, I just wanna get your perspectives on like what real confession is and like what are the key elements of it?
1: Sure, I'll give it a try. first of all, I guess really what I want to start with is is just an observation that, you know, we often, and and right now we've talked about confession almost from entirely a negative point of view in Mm -hmm. a a sense of, Mm -hmm. you know, we think of a criminal who confesses to his crime and the guilt of that, or a person who maybe comes to me as their pastor and needs to confess their sin. But I just want to point out at the beginning that confession can also have a very positive connotation to it. For example, in Romans 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved <laughs> for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that's a very positive example of confession. Yeah. And, and you see in numerous denominations, they have a written confession of faith. They maybe even post it on the church's website and things like that. And those confessions are really like summaries of their key doctrines and beliefs. And I think if someone just spends a little bit of time even reflecting on those positive examples of confessing, they might actually have a better understanding of confessing sin when it comes time to do that. But uh, at any rate, I think confession, as I think about it, it boils down to maybe three elements uh, that occur to me. One of those is just the basic, you know, stating the true and essential facts of my sin. I, I'm assuming mm-hmm. we're talking here in the context of confessing sin for most of this. So it would be stating the true and essential facts of what I did <laughs> that was sinful. And then a second element is owning the personal responsibility for that Mm. sin. And then thirdly, it's revealing my sin to a person or people that I'm actually accountable to in some way, Uh, those people that have spiritual weight or authority in my life. I think those three elements are really essential for it to be a a true biblical confession.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's really clear. It's really concise. And I like that because I was just, as you were talking about those, I was thinking about Psalm 51 Mm -hmm. and just hearing those things, exactly what you said, seeing that play out in David's life. Um, So then let's talk about the flip side. If somebody comes to you, and they are confessing their sin. What is it that you listen for or key in on that says, "Well, this isn't confession"?
1: If we go back and just consider those three elements uh, that I gave you a moment ago, uh, the first one was stating the true and essential facts of my sin. So now I'm I'm kind of listening carefully if someone's making that confession to me, and and I don't want to hear any kind of minimizing where they're just making light of their sin or making it out to be less than it really was, smaller than the thing they actually did sort of language or shading the truth so that somehow they sound a little bit better than they were in the situation, that sort of thing. Uh, instead, I'm you know, really wanting to see some vulnerability and transparency mm. in what they're telling me. Uh, someone who's not hiding anything or being vague about what they're sharing, they shouldn't make me ask pointed questions to draw it out of them. The confession should be bringing those clear facts to the conversation on their own. And then that second element, uh, owning that personal responsibility. So again, I'm listening uh, for any attempts to justify what they did. Or uh, shift the blame. Yeah, exactly, to blame it on somebody else. Uh, And instead, I want to hear a little bit of godly sorrow uh, really coming through in that confession. That would tell me that they're actually owning the personal responsibility for it. And then that last point, you know, I mentioned revealing my sin to people that I'm actually accountable to, because, you know, we have to keep in mind, Nate, that we're not just trying to get this off our chest so we feel a little bit better. I think sometimes that's really mostly what we're actually thinking of, is I just wanna get this over with and get this off my chest. But we really don't need to just confess to get it off our chest. We need to put this thing to death. And that's a little bit different experience, really. And so I'm not just confessing to anyone. That confession needs to be made to people who have power or authority over me in my life to some degree. And I need to be willing to face the full consequences that they decide are appropriate as a Mm -hmm. result of what I'm confessing.
0: Yeah, because as you're talking about that third point, I'm just thinking about situations where we've dealt with people and it's like, you know that they fall into sin and they confess to this person. And then they fall into sin, but now they're confessing this person. So no one's ever getting the full picture. So they've gotten it off their chest, but it's not with that element of, I want to put this thing to death. It's just like, I want to feel better right now. Exactly. And they're
1: really still protecting themselves and hiding themselves uh, in that.
0: Yeah. So there's a proverb that says, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. What are your thoughts on why this is like what is it about sin that requires that confession and forsaking absolutely necessary
1: yeah, I think there are definitely a couple of things about sin that make this process of confession absolutely necessary. And one thing that comes to mind is that sin thrives in the dark, so to speak. You know, so if it's not brought to the light, it's just going to continue. And in fact, it's not just going to continue; it's going to grow. And uh, that means, you know, somebody is going to start to take more frequent forays into that sin or go a little deeper into whatever it is they're indulging in that sort of thing they're going to end up remaining in bondage and letting that sin have dominion over them because sin thrives in the dark mm-hmm. and just as that proverb you quoted out of chapter 28 verse 13 reminds us you know the one who will not confess his sin is actually cutting himself off from God's mercy and I I think it goes sort of without saying, like spiritually, we need, we depend, I depend on God's mercy. So anything I'm doing that's cutting me off from that supply of God's mercy in my life is really going to be spiritually devastating, of course. Another thing I could mention is that I see God at work constantly trying to invite me to humble myself. And he's repulsed by pride, but he finds humility absolutely irresistible. And so confession is humbling ourselves. There is a lot of humility that has to go into making these confessions, but that invites uh, the presence of God into our lives. And it's the right condition for the power of God to go to work in my inside world and Mm -hmm. actually transform me so I'm not given over. Over to the sin anymore, mm.
0: yeah. What you said, I never connected those two things, right? Like, will not prosper, will obtain mercy. So, it's like the only way we prosper is through God's mercy, yeah. And if we don't get that mercy, then we're not going to prosper, um, exactly. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because when it says He who covers a sin will not prosper. That means there's going to be a real negative effect on this person's life. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering, when you think about people that you've dealt with over the years who don't make that real confession, and you watch the effect of that over a period of time, what are the things that you see, common things you see a person not prospering?
1: (sighs) Well, you know, unconfessed sin is an immense weight in someone's life. There is a weight of that that they are now carrying around that's like attached to them. Psalm 32 really brings that out where David says, when I kept silent, uh, and the NLT there says, when I refused to confess my sin, even Mm -hmm. makes it a little more pointed. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was, the Lord's hand was heavy upon him. His vitality was turned into the drought of summer, it says there in that psalm. So someone is operating under that weight of guilt and shame, and they feel that oppression, that stifling that is happening. It's sucking the energy right out of their life. And they realize to some degree that they're in a drought. It feels that way physically and spiritually for the person. And if they continue to resist the Holy Spirit's pressure to confess, you know, that pit of misery just gets deeper and and more draining for them more depression sets in you see them easily triggered in anger and things like that that are all growing out of just this internal condition that is rotten soured <laughs> and what comes out of them reflects that in one mm-hmm. way or another mm-hmm. And I I think there is one other thing that is also happening alongside all of that is the person is losing their sensitivity to the need to confess other sins and additional sins that they are committing. So I'm already burdened. I'm already weighted and drained. And the little extra of one more sin doesn't even affect. It doesn't seem to make any difference. I'm already, you know, uh, wiped out from it. And we totally lose our awareness that confession is even the way out of all of this mess that we've created. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that picture of being in a drought is really – descriptive, because as you're talking, I'm thinking about the fruits of the spirit, Mm -hmm. love, joy, peace, patience, all those fruits. In a drought, those fruits don't grow. That's right. And so you lose the ability to have those fruits produced in your life when you're in this drought because of cutting yourself off from...
1: God's mercy. Yeah. Um, And it's amazing how the works of the flesh are drought-resistant in a sense. You know, they can seem to thrive in that condition more so than anything else.
0: Yeah. So then you mentioned already that confession can be a very positive thing. So let's talk about some of the positive sides of the negative parts of confession. <laughs> if that's not confusing, what are the blessings of confession? You know, when we confess sin, like what is it about confession then that is allowing that spiritual health to start thriving?
1: Yeah, I guess I want to point out here that we have to keep in mind that our sin must be confessed and forsaken. That's what Proverbs 28, 13 says. Yeah. It has to be forsaken. But once we do that, you know, we're forgiven. And all of that weight we've been carrying around yeah. actually lifts right off of us. It's, it's literally just what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, you know, that weight lifts off. There's a an inside world cleaning that goes on and yeah. you feel that and are revived by that and i also in that verse in 1 john i just usually i like to point out to people when i'm dealing with confession with them that what that really says there it says he's faithful and just because sometimes i think we get the faithful part you know we can count on him to do it he's dependable in that way but he's also just Justice is served. Justice is satisfied because of Jesus' death on the cross. And when we confess and partake of that. Forgiveness through Jesus on the cross, you know, God is His justice is satisfied, so mm. we don't need to worry or wonder or carry this around anymore. It's mm. it's over, you know. Mm. Another thing to consider, uh, you mentioned Psalm fifty one earlier, and that comes back to mind because it says in there that God desires truth in our inward parts, and confession is what accomplishes that. That's yeah. what brings that truth inside us and brings us to that place of honesty before the Lord. So it's right where God wants us, right where he can extend his mercy to us, where he can bless us and prosper us, as he describes there in that proverb. And by the way, that's almost invariably an inward prospering, a spiritual thing going on. I don't want people to confuse that God's going to fill their bank account right. or something like that. Right. But, uh, but there's a spiritual prospering, like I said, that cleansing, and you really feel that. There's an enormous difference, Nate, between living where I'm weighed down and cut off from God's mercy, and I've been there, (laughs) and there is an enormous difference between that life and the life of someone who has confessed and is in the light and in that place before God where his blessing, his mercy, his favor is really being expressed Mm. in their life. And the key factor, I think, in determining which of those two lives somebody is experiencing is whether or not they're willing to humble themselves and confess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think we should probably say too at this point, um, there are no scenarios where confessing is like real
1: easy correct yeah that's a good observation Uh, good to keep that in mind yeah you're going to have to press against our flesh because nothing in us naturally wants to be that open that vulnerable that exposed we feel really exposed but again it's that truth in the inward parts that's Mm -hmm. exactly what the Lord is looking for is a man who is willing to depend only on him he's so exposed that God if you don't cover me if you don't protect me here I'm done
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and and I think that the enemy often will lie to us and tell us that if we expose ourselves that way, it's all going to be negative. Mm-hmm. And next week, we'll talk a little bit about some of the negative consequences that are going to come. Yes. If, if you have serious things in your life that you have to confess, there are going to be negative ramifications. But the lie is it's all going to be that. It's going to end there. right? And... That's just, that is so not true. Mm -hmm. Because when the Lord covers us, then, yeah, it's even in the negative ramifications, there's something Mm -hmm. just wonderful there.
1: Being in that right relationship with the Lord changes even our perspective of those negative ripple effects of our sin at that point.
0: Yeah. When you think about a normal Christian life, I mean, let's say that sexual sin isn't even in the picture. How often would you say that a person should just have a practice of confessing their sins to someone?
1: Yeah, that's that's a really great question, and uh, I don't know if I have a great answer, honestly. I guess the one thing that I frequently honestly think of is I wish the Protestant church hadn't let go of the confessional, uh, sort of, you know, not the way the priest handles it or, or things yeah, like that, right. but the idea of having a special setting and a time frame, you know, established for, for confession of sin. You know, I think there was some value to that that we kind of lost in the Protestant realm. But as far as how often, literally, you know, I would say this for sure. Anytime someone questions us, you know, did you do, you know, my only choice in that moment is confession. Yes. Right. You know, I, or if someone is accusing me or somehow bringing my sin to the light, you know, that demands an immediate confession from me and we should always be willing to do that you mentioned David earlier and when Nathan the prophet came to him and told him that little story and and then gave him the illustration and says you are the man and David's response to all of that is i have sinned like just no bones about it you know no no minimizing no justifying none of those things just you're right I did it. And that's the kind of response we want in a scenario like that. So, you know, that has to happen every time. But as far as actual frequency for maybe initiating like a voluntary confession with somebody else, I don't even know that it's a one size fits all answer. One of the things that really occurs to me is like I dealt with a lot of self protective pride and also personally dealt with spiritual pride. Uh, so, People in that vein probably need to make a practice of more frequent confession. Mm. I think that's how you're going to overcome those types of pride in your life in many respects. Um, and anyone who's got a besetting sin, uh, whatever it would mm. be, you know, you said it's not necessarily sexual sin. And there are other besetting sins. Uh, anger comes to mind as a one we see <laughs> a lot of. And, you know, that needs to be confessed basically when it happens, you know, right pretty quickly on the heels of every time it happens. So, mm. if there's any kind of besetting sin, I would say that. So, I think in general, the best answer maybe I can give you, Nate, is to keep short accounts. <laughs> you know, how much unconfessed sin do you really want in your life? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, you know, if that comes out to weekly or some you know, maybe for some it's closer to monthly or whatever, but it should definitely be happening regularly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess just to close, um, my own testimony about this is that it's been so freeing. Yes. Just to be able to be known. Mm -hmm. I mean, not easy at first, okay? So that process of liberation where confession is like a joy takes time. But to be able to go to someone, I mean, in my case, I go to you, Mm -hmm. and just to be able to say, like, wow, the Lord showed me that I'm I'm haughty in this way, or he's revealing another layer of my self-righteousness, or he's been revealing to me my fear of man, and in these situations, let's pray. Yes. He, pr- like he, like God tells us blatantly, if you confess your sins to one another, you'll be healed. Yes. And that's the whole thing. I need to overcome these things, and if I try to just do this on my own, that's nothing more than self-sufficiency and pride. And that confession has been so liberating just to humble myself at the feet of Jesus and to come to another person who is also humbling themselves at the feet of Jesus and just like, we yes. need mercy. Yeah. It's there. It's available. And, you know, I, I think for people who don't know that liberation, you don't know what you're missing.
1: That's right. And and you won't know until you just do it, try it. You know, yeah. the Lord says, taste and see. He is good. And yeah. That's what you'll experience.
0: To close this show, we're going to play Paul's story. You'll see why. I grew up in
2: a Christian home to parents who loved me and fostered an environment of fallen crisis. We went to church every week. My first exposure to pornography was finding a Playboy magazine with friends at a park around the age of 10. Around that time, my childhood friend called me over to his house to look through the fence into a neighbor's window that image sank deep into my heart and i didn't understand at that time the seed of voyeurism being planted i discovered online pornography for the first time around age 15. i began to live a double life and i knew that my sin was wrong but i didn't tell anyone i went to a church full of the holy spirit and saw god working in powerful ways it was that the time in my life i was trying to live a godly life and thought it was right with him, because I was doing street evangelism, healing teams, and giving prophetic words. God was working in my life, but I was not fully surrendered to him. I met my wife, Nicole, in Bible school, and we were married for 12 years until she was finally done dealing with my double life. I tried blaming her for my sin, even though it was entirely my own responsibility. I was a Pharisee, living a Christian life for others to see, but in reality, the inside of my cup was full of poison and death. After Bible school, I grew cold toward God, my family, and pushed away everyone close to me. I was a wolf in sheep's clothing, living in complete delusion, and was a compulsive liar. I was confronted in love and still lied about the depths of my sin. A week later, while living in a hotel, my job closed due to COVID. This was God's mercy to supply my wife with income. I told my pastor I felt hopelessly stuck and needed help, and he handed me two of Pure Life's unchained magazines. I read them and was shocked by their transparency. I arrived on campus October 6th. I was full of fear, anxiety, anger, and totally devastated by the consequences of my sin thinking I deserved my family, children, home, friends, when in reality I deserved hell. I was at rock bottom, a place in which I was familiar with as God had tried over and over to get my attention, yet I only hardened my heart. I chased my sin, but in reality, it was Satan leading my fleshly desires to destroy every relationship I had. I knew I had to bring all my sins into light even though it would cost me everything. The consequence of my sin was divorce. My wife has forgiven me and told me that she only prays now for my spiritual condition, which is more love than I deserve. I was spiritually awakened to my sin and its devastation. I had to be humbled to the point of losing everything to see my need for salvation. I came to pure life in my own strength to try and save my marriage. But in reality, it was me who needed saving. In my brokenness, he met me and set me free from my addiction, Remove my anxiety and my burdens. I want to thank Pastor Steve and Sister Kathy for following Christ's call into a ministry which the world scoffs at, but the kingdom of God rejoices. Most of all, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for pulling me out of the pit of hell, washing me clean by your blood and loving me beyond anything I can imagine.
0: Our prayer for you is that if you need to make a confession of sin to someone, that you would heed the Lord's warnings, His wisdom, and His love. Remember the word of the Lord from Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen: If we cover our sins, we will not prosper. But if we will confess and renounce them, we will find mercy. None of us get to sidestep that truth. The road to spiritual health goes through the door of confession. So that's it for this episode. Please join us next week as we give practical guidance about how to make confession to your wife. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.